Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Dr. Jacqueline Siskin is an assistant professor of pediatrics at Upstate who believes in the power of books, so much so that she sometimes prescribes specific books to her patients. She recently wrote about her practice in the School Library Journal, and she's here to tell us about that. Welcome back to The Informed Patient, Dr. Siskin. Thank you so much for having me again. Now, I know you ask each of your patients what they're reading, so I'd like to ask you, what are you reading? So last night, I just finished The Last Map Maker. This is a book by Christina Tornavat, and it is a fantastic book for middle grade students about a girl who is trying to get out of where she lives and find a better life for herself. So that's the book I finished last night. But then as far as grown up books go, I'm reading Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which was a big book last year and I didn't get a chance to read it. So you read some of the books that you may end up recommending to your patients too, it sounds like. Absolutely. I never recommend a book to my patients that I haven't read first. And this time of year is really exciting for me reading-wise and recommending-wise because the American Library Association Youth Media Awards came out just at the end of January. That includes the Newberry and the Caldecott and then a lot of others that people are not as familiar with. And so for me, February and March is really just reading through that list and getting excited about all of the great books that came out last year. What's your impression of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow so far? I'm just at the beginning of it. I mean, I truly started the first two chapters last night because I finished The Last Map Maker and wasn't quite ready for bed. It's really grabbed my attention, but I'm not that deep into it yet. Well, it's a controversial subject, but I know you feel strongly about the rise in book bans across the country and the impact some of these books have had on your patients. You wrote in your essay about patients who've told you how certain books have allowed them to feel valid and worthy and not alone for the first time. What are some of the book titles that you've seen be helpful to your patients? There are so many different books that I recommended to my patients. And I know that you and I have spoken about that in past interviews, and I've written about them in some articles recently. I think the three books that I'm probably talking about the most with my patients right now, one is called Different Kinds of Fruit, and that's by Kyle Lukoff. One is called The Poet X by Elizabeth Osvado, and the other is Starfish by Lisa Phipps. These are three books that I've been recommending a lot recently because they deal with issues that my patients have been coming to me with recently. Starfish is about body image and bullying. Different Kinds of Fruit is about a student who is struggling with their own sexual identity and learning about how they fit in with their group of friends, one of whom happens to come out as non-binary. And The Poet X is a novel in verse that has won every possible award a children's book can win. And it is about a girl who is in a difficult relationship with her mom and is trying to find her way. And the way she finds herself is through poetry and spoken word. I tend to recommend those a lot. And what really warms my heart is recently, as I've been talking about some of those books, my patients have said, oh, I heard about that one already, either through school or through a friend. And so it's really exciting to me that these titles are getting the traction that they deserve. I hate to call out one particular book over another because there are so many I recommend and I don't want anyone to be left out. But I think those are the three that I'm recommending the most recently. And it's worth noting that Different Kinds of Fruit and The Poet X 
are on the list of some of the most challenged titles in school districts right now. And not just in school districts, but also public libraries. And so as much as it warms my heart that when I recommend them, people have heard about it, it really makes me sad to know that the access to these books is being limited across the country. What is objectionable in them? I mean, your description makes them sound like lovely books. What is objectionable? They are lovely books. They're lovely, important books. And I think What is objectionable about them is that they feature characters who have not traditionally been featured in the literature that came before. So there are characters that are not white, characters that are queer, characters that have traditionally been bullied. It's not often that an overweight child is the main protagonist in a book. Often they're the sidekick or they're treated as someone who's not intelligent or they're the butt of the joke. And so to put those characters that have often been marginalized in the spotlight and say, this is my story, this is what's happening to me, I think that's the problem that people have with a lot of these books. What is it accomplished by making those books unavailable? If a person goes to the library to get them, they're banned, they're not there, to the school and they can't get them. What does that accomplish? I think, honestly, it's, it's othering is what it's doing. I think that it is working to silence the voices of the people whose voices most need to be heard. And I think it's a problem that has two prongs. The first is that it denies kids the chance, and I'm just talking about children's literature right now. Certainly adults can find themselves in these books too, right? But it takes kids that might see themselves in that book and it decreases their opportunity for them to see themselves on the page, to see their experience represented. And that could make them feel ashamed for who they are, especially if they're being told that book is not available because it is, quote, inappropriate, right? That's telling the child you are inappropriate. It's also going to make the child feel erased. It may make them feel less apt to speak up about an experience that they've had because they think that it's not acceptable to others. So that's a big problem. And I think that the second problem is that it denies any child the opportunity to see the experience of others through a book, right? So there are some people who perhaps are white, perhaps are cisgendered, perhaps consider themselves to be straight, but could certainly benefit from reading about the experience of someone else their age who is not those things. And in a very idealistic way, I think that could make us a more accepting peaceful society if we all listened to each other's experiences more and what better opportunity to do that than in childhood, in adolescence, when your brain is so open to learning and being accepting to other people's experiences. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Jacqueline Siskind. She's the pediatrician, you might say. She's a pediatrician who really respects books and uses them in her practice. So is there any middle ground? Are there any sorts of reasonable limitations on who can read what that would make everybody happy? Of course there is. I think there are resources that we have that we could be using better. So school librarians, English teachers, elementary and middle school teachers have been specifically trained to know what is out there in the world of children's literature and to help connect kids to the book that is right for them. And so when it comes to middle ground, I think the middle ground is 
keep the books, keep all of the books in the library and in the classrooms, and trust that the people who are trained to help connect kids to the right book are doing their job and helping kids find the right book for them, or being able to gently say to them, knowing what I know about you and your current reading level, I think this book is a little bit of a stretch for you. Let's find something similar that might meet your interest, but be more approachable for you. And parents can also always have a voice in what their children are reading. But when it comes to book banning in schools and in public libraries, parents are not just making a decision for their own child, they're making a decision for every child. And I think it's very important for people to have access to these books. So if there's a particular book that a parent has a problem with, they can talk to their child or their child's educator or their child's librarian about why this particular book makes me feel uncomfortable. It might be a great opportunity for discussion and for the parents to hear both sides of why that book is there. But to limit access to all children by taking the books out entirely is a really dangerous thing. Now, you being a parent yourself of readers, I'm sure you're raising your children as readers. If one of your children chose a title that you thought was a little bit of a grasp for them at that level, but they really wanted to read it, what would you do? I would let them read it. And that's happened before in our house. I think there's two kinds of reaching. One is this book is really too hard for you, right? Like you are in second grade and this is a book that's intended for a 10th grader, let's say. And I just don't think you have the stamina to get through this book or you're going to have to be looking up all the vocabulary. But if you want to try it, try it. And that's happened. And my son said, I think this book's too hard for me. And I said, I agree. And he put it down. And then the other kind of reaching is this book is at your level grade wise, but perhaps the concepts in it are going to be challenging for you. And when that has happened, I've had a conversation with my son to say, I think this book is going to talk about things that you might find scary. The book in question that he brought home was a book about the Holocaust. And so I said, you know, I think there may be things in this book that you find scary, but the things in this book really happened. And sometimes scary things happen. So if you want, we can read this book together. This is a book I've already read. So if you want, I can give you a summary and then you can see how you feel about experiencing it yourself. Or if you want, you can wait until you're a little older or the summertime when it's not dark so early and it won't feel scary at night. And we can read this book at a different time. And he ended up wanting to read the book and he did. And he said that he was glad we'd had the talk beforehand because he was prepared for it. And he knew that he could talk to me throughout the book if anything was upsetting or confusing or scary as it was. And I think that type of template of conversation could be applied to any book, a book about gender, a book about racial inequality, a book about violence, a book about the death of a parent. Life is full of uncomfortable things. And sometimes a book is a safe way to explore those topics because you can close it and put it down. You can talk about it with somebody. You can take your time with it. Unlike watching a TV show or a movie where it's just sort of coming at you, of course you can hit pause, but it's a different type of thing. I think books are the best way to explore those uncomfortable situations. Now, I know with your individual patients, you give personalized recommendations, but can you give us some reading recommendations for kids who are, let's say, dealing with issues of body image? I know you already mentioned Starfish, was it? Yeah. 
So Starfish is a novel in verse by Lisa Phipps. It is such a fantastic book. I think anyone who has talked to me since probably the middle of 2020 until now has heard me talk about Starfish. I have a book club that I run now for pediatricians at Upstate. It's called Pedialit. And we read one book a month. And Starfish was our first book because I think it's so important for adults, for healthcare providers. Anyone who was a kid or works with kids should read this book. So I recommend Starfish often. Also, there's a book called Taking Up Space by Alison Gerber that I think is very good. So Starfish talks about a girl who is overweight and dealing with bullies. Taking Up Space talks about a girl who thinks she is overweight, but she's actually working through an eating disorder. And so it's the opposite side of things. It's an excellent book and a book that shows therapy and the positive impact that teachers and guidance counselors can have in a really approachable light. So I love that book. Another one that I think is just a fun one is called Fat Chance Charlie Vega. This is by Crystal Maldonado, and it's a book for high school students about a girl who is overweight but very proud of who she is and is dealing with the people in her life who are telling her that she should be a different size. What about books for dealing with the loss of a parent? Red, White, and Whole is a great book that deals with a girl who's losing her mother to leukemia. And it's set in the 1980s, so I liked it a lot just because the soundtrack and the styles were very much my youth. But the kids that I've recommended it to said that, wow, this hurt my soul a little bit. But they said they liked that it was a, a vintage book, <laughs> which made me sad because it was set in the 80s and I'm not vintage yet. But that book is by Rajani Laraka, and it's just a wonderful story. It was a Newbery Honor book last year. Also, there's a new picture book that just came out called Sitting Shiva. It's by Erin Silver, and it's illustrated by Michelle Theodore. This is a book that talks about a girl whose mother just died, and they're working through the Jewish tradition of Sitting Shiva, which is a, a seven-day mourning period right after death. And the purpose of it is that the family is not alone, and the girl does not want all these people in the house. And then she starts to understand how that community afterwards can help you work through the emotions of sadness. And I think that this book really applies, even though it's about a Jewish tradition. It's a lovely picture book for anybody who's going through loss. What about some books for someone who's feeling surrounded by bad news? Everywhere Blue by Joanne Fritz is a book about a girl whose family is struggling. Her parents aren't communicating well. Her older brother has run away from college. And she's just trying to deal with all of that, plus the regular stresses and drama of being a middle school girl. And I think it's a book a lot of people can identify with. But also sometimes when you're feeling like you're surrounded by bad news, you just want to read a book that makes you feel happy and hear about a person who was in a bad situation and came out okay. And so for me, that book is Donuts and Other Proclamations of Love by Jared Reck, written for high school students. It's funny and it's sweet and it's got some sad, deep parts to it. But in the end, it just has the ending that you want it to. And what about for kids who are struggling with loneliness? There are two books by the same author that I just love for this sort of thing. Both of the books are by Erin and Trotta Kelly. One is called We Dream of Space. The other is Hello Universe. We Dream of Space is about a girl. It's also set in the 80s. It's a girl who feels lonely in her family. Her parents are on the brink of divorce. She and her brothers aren't connecting very well. And she really hooks into the astronauts that are going up in the Challenger and wants to be an astronaut and really connects with them. And the story brings you through leading up to and then after the disaster. And 
how she finds friends and solace in her family. And Hello Universe, also by the same author, is about a boy who's just a loner and finds his group of friends in a very unconventional way. Well, Dr. Siskin, thank you so much for making time to talk with me. Thank you so much for having me. And Amber, I just wanted to say at the end, if people are interested and want to know what they can do about book banning in their community, there are a couple of very small things that make a big difference. One is just to speak up, talking about the books that you love and why you loved them. If you are on social media, putting out a tweet or an Instagram post, this was a great book and here's why, it makes a big difference, especially if you tag the author in it. Speaking up at school board meetings and supporting your teachers and librarians, especially if you see that something like this is happening in your community, the first thing to do is reach out to teachers and librarians and say, how can I help? When's the next meeting? Writing letters of support. Those are all ways to get voices out there fighting for the books and for everyone to have access to them. My guest has been Dr. Jacqueline Siskin, a pediatrician from Upstate Medical University who's enthusiastic about reading. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu slash informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.